October 5th, 1994, would be a day that the world would find out about the order of the Solar Temple. And in less than 24 hours, 53 people. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at would end up dead. Before we delve into this case, I'd just like to talk about the sponsor for today's episode and give a massive thank you to the people over at Ridge for helping to keep this channel afloat. The Ridge wallet is an amazingly light and sleek wallet made specifically to hold cards and designed beautifully to fit into any pocket. With two metal plates held together by a durable elastic band, it's super easy to fit the cards you need for your day-to-day -day ventures inside and to only take the cards you need with you. So it's time to throw out your old bulky wallets and switch to this amazing, incredible, slimline wallet. The Ridge wallet comes in a large range of colors and styles, including carbon fiber, aluminum, and titanium. So you are sure to find a wallet that'll suit anyone in your life. It makes a great Christmas present. And the kind people over at Ridge have hooked you all up with a little holiday deal. Head on over to ridge.com forward slash Josh choose from their stunning line of wallets and make sure you use code Joshua to get 10% off at checkout. Again, thank you to Ridge for sponsoring this episode. And with all that being said, let's delve right into this case. The Order of the Solar Temple, officially known as the Oudre du Temple Solaire, was founded in Geneva, Switzerland in 1984 by founders Luc Jure and Joseph de Mambro. The Solar Temple cult based its ideals on the revival of the Knights of Templar order, the Knights of Templar being a Catholic military order founded in the 12th century by a group of knights who were tasked to guard the Holy Grail. The Knights of Templar in itself are a whole different story, so if you're interested in that then make sure you do some research into that. This order, the Knights of Templar, was actually suppressed by the Pope in 1302 after becoming a powerful group of warriors during the Crusades. The Knights of Templar remained inactive until 1805, just a few years after the French Revolution. In 1805, Bernard Raymond Fabry Palapra, a French physician, somehow came to the conclusion that he was the successor to the secret line of the Knights of Templar Grand Masters, and decided to take upon himself to reinstate the order. This new order was very successful and was well known at the time. 
many significant relics had come into the Order's possession. Relics dating back to the medieval times, which included, but wasn't limited to, swords, helmets, and bone fragments. Now, Bernard Raymond's Fabre Palapra, I'm butchering that name, I'm so sorry, successfully ran this new Knights Templar order for a significant number of years, until he passed away in 1838. His death led to the order splitting into many different factions. Now, these factions ran in similar ways to one another, but they each highlighted different points as their main reason for existing. This meant that they couldn't merge together or come together as one anymore, as they all believed their way of worship was the best way, the only true way. While many of these factions eventually disappeared over time, there were a few that withstood the test of time. It was in these remaining factions that we find the two main people involved in this case. Luc Jure was born on the 18th of October 1947 in the Belgian Congo. The Belgian Congo was located in the central region of Africa and was occupied by a European majority until it declared its independence in 1960, another case of colonizers. By this point, the Jure family had already moved back to their home country of Belgium, moving at some point in the late 1950s. After graduating high school, Luke attended the Free University of Brussels and graduated with a medical degree in 1974. Two years after finishing his medical degree in 1976, he joined the Belgian army to become a paratrooper, because that's... You know, you become a doctor, you get your medical degree, and you just decide to go be a paratrooper. You know, why not? It's the 70s, anything goes. During his time as a paratrooper, he fought in the Battle of Colwezi, which was an airborne operation in May 1978 to rescue 2,000 European hostages from a group of highly political Congolese nationals in the mining town of Colwezi. After serving a few years, Luc left the Belgian army and established a medical practice in France, which specialised in alternative medicine. During the time he was running his practice, he qualified as a homeopathic practitioner. Homeopathy is an alternative treatment based upon the use of highly diluted substances, which practitioners claim can cause the body to heal itself. Luke spends a lot of his time travelling the world, learning various forms of spiritual and alternate healing. Spending time during 1977 in the Philippines, learning about psychic healing before moving on to China, Peru, and even India. By the early 80s, Luke had finished his travels and had settled down in Anima, France, close to the Swiss border. With his life now settling down, he decided that now was the best time for him to start a family. Luke courted, dated, and married a woman named Christine, and within a year of their marriage, they were excited to introduce a baby into their small family. Unfortunately for the pair, the infant passed away shortly after birth, and subsequently the marriage crumbled. After only a few years of marriage, the loss of their child became too much for the pair, so they divorced and parted ways. After losing his child and divorcing his wife, Luke packed himself back up and started traveling again. During his time running his alternative medicine practice, he had gained a loyal following who loved his teachings and homeopathic techniques. 
By the late 1980s, he'd become a popular speaker on alternative medicine and had traveled to many French-speaking countries to attend conferences, including Canada. It was during these travels that Luke started his dive into the occult. He joined the Golden Way Foundation in Geneva, where he regularly held conferences and became one of their regular speakers. It was during these conferences that he met Joseph de Mambro. Joseph de Mambro was born on August 19th, 1924 to parents Raphael and Fernand de Mambro in rural southern France. He was the oldest of three siblings, having both a younger brother and sister. He attended a private Catholic school for his whole academic career and was an above average student who loved playing the violin. By the time he was 16 years old, World War II had broken out and it stunted his academic career, forcing him into work. And he managed to find work at a jewellery shop. While working at this shop, he also learned the art of clockmaking, which was actually a popular career choice at the time. In March 1944, Joseph married a girl from his hometown called Nanine, who, like him, had a passion for music. Together they had a son who they named Bernard, who would later go on to become a French actor. While life was good for the de Mambro family, Joseph was still never fully content with his life. He had always been interested in the occult, and in January of 1956, he gave into this interest and joined the ancient and mystical order of the Rosaea Crucis at the age of 32. It is theorized that Joseph's obsession with the occult stems from the disappearance of his father just after the end of the war, with no one in his family knowing why he abandoned them and the family never getting answers. It is believed that this was why he enjoyed being part of a cult. The cults filled this empty space left behind by his father and served as a second family to him. This cult, the ancient and mystical order of the Rosea Crucis, enjoyed great success in France in the years during and following World War II. And in the late 1960s, Joseph became the head of his faction in Nîmes, France, and he stayed in this position until he was 45 in 1969. In 1970, Joseph gave up his jeweler career to become a full-time lecturer for the New Age movement, another cult that he had joined. Joseph was collecting cults as if they were Pokemon cards, I'll be honest. Gotta join them all. And in 1973, just four years after he left his job at the jewellery shop, he founded his first cult, a cult of his own. This cult was named the Centre for the Preparation, which Joseph ran with New Age movement ideals. He spent three years running this cult, leading his followers through their day-to-day -day activities, which included performing esoteric ceremonies and preparing for the, quote, New Age. This was the main philosophy of the group. They believed the universe was about to transform and they were the first people to be received into this new world. This group lived communally in Animus, France, and the members spent a majority of their time preparing their bodies and spirits for passage into this new world under Joseph's teaching. By 1976, Joseph was well known within the occult community in Europe after heading two different communal cult factions of his Centre for the Preparation in both Animus, France and in Geneva, Switzerland. 
During his time in Geneva, Joseph progressed himself as a teacher and began to present himself as a part of the, quote, Great White Brotherhood. Now, I'll be honest, when I first saw that, I thought this was going to be some KKK ass shit, but no, uh, a closer look, it just seems to be a very unfortunate choice of name, to be honest. The Great White Brotherhood was a group of people who believed that they were perfected human beings, uh, gives me a bit of them Nazi vibes, that had been placed on Earth to guide the evolution of the human race. He claimed to be incarnations of multiple important historical figures, including Moses and the Egyptian pharaoh Akhenaten, who was the father to the famous pharaoh Tutankhamun. In 1981, Luke, who by this point had become a grandmaster of the renowned Order of the Temple, left that cult over a dispute regarding policy matters. What that dispute was is left to the imagination. Maybe he just didn't get the barking space that he wanted or maybe someone sat in his seats in the worship room, who knows. Joseph, who had become acquainted with Luke by this point due to their mutual interests and beliefs, persuaded him to quote, combine energies with him and create a new organisation. Luke promptly agreed and in 1984 they founded the Order of the Solar Temple together. The Order of the Solar Temple was an elitist group who were very selective over who could join. The selection process was used because Luke and Joseph believed that they were the heirs of the medieval Knights of Templar who guarded the Holy Grail. The Knights of Templar are easily recognisable from history due to their infamous white robes with a large red cross adorned on their chests and shields. Luke and Joseph believed that their teachings were only to be heard by a select portion of the population due to their alleged direct link to the Holy Grail and these historic knights. Due to these elitist views, there were many different elements required to join the cults. Not so shockingly, one of the main requirements was a larger than average bank account, meaning you were able to make sizable donations to the group. Luke was the public face of the organisation charismatic enough to recruit new followers into the cult, while Joseph did all the other work, the finances, rituals, and meditations. The Order of the Solar Temple became a hybrid cult, which mixed Joseph's Golden Way ideology and Luke's own ideas on holistics and alternative medicines. The cults fused elements of Christianity, New Age philosophy, and astrology together, blending together occultism with a belief in the coming New Age and Masonic rituals. With Joseph still preaching that he was the reincarnation of Moses from the Bible and that it was his personal mission to guide humanity to enlightenment, many members truly believed that they were a part of something special. In 1982, Joseph fathered a child with one of the cult members, Dominique Bellaton. Joseph was thrilled with the birth of this child, who he names Emanuela. At this time, Joseph was 58 years old and believed that his daughter was a divine gift from a higher being. He stated that she was, quote, a cosmic being who would lead in the coming new age. And this was accepted throughout the cults as members believed that she was conceived through immaculate conception. Because of the elitist tendencies of the order, the cult attracted lots of successful and rich members from various upper and upper middle class livelihoods. These people were usually 
disengaged with conventional churches and religions, as they believed they were part of a higher plan and more important than other humans. By this point, the Order of the Solar Temple had amassed nearly 1,000 members across Canada, Switzerland, and France, with each country having their own sects, which fed into the headquarters in Geneva. Luke and Joseph decided that they needed to create a new level of management who would help them run the now international sects. This new level of management consisted of 33 higher members who were part of a more trusted group. Joseph decided that because his daughter was a, quote, cosmic being, any children that were created through his choice would also become a higher being. Because of this, he took it upon himself to choose mates for people within the order and encourage them to have children. He truly believes that these children would be, quote, special children who would assist his own daughter in her new age task. Once a child was conceived with the chosen couples, he would then rearrange the members so that they would be able to create more special children without contaminating the bloodlines. While Joseph was dealing with the day-to-day -day activities in the cult in Geneva, leading ceremonies and readings, Luke was out in the world running courses and seminars for recruitment purposes and parading around as a new age teacher. Joseph and Luke led the cults from different sects and as astrocrats. This meant that they didn't take into account what the other was doing and never discussed the different ideas that they had for the future of the order. They regularly butted heads and fought for superiority, often leading to some confusion from their followers. When joining the order, members had access to special publications and fancy over-the-top initiations which were filmed for the initiates to keep. Luckily for most people, their faces were blurred in these videos, whether they were an initiate or a member who was just helping with the initiation. In these initiations, Joseph stated that he was a representative for the higher beings they were trying to please, and that he was the receiver and transmitter of their divine messages. During the various ceremonies that he held, he would always, quote, receive important messages for the order, which would dictate how they would proceed with their day-to-day -day lives to ensure that they kept these higher beings happy. The Order of the Solar Temple believed that Jesus was a solar god king and would be coming back down to earth once it was ready for him. By this point, Luke and Joseph were regularly asking members to give them money to help them fulfill the wants of these higher beings. And with this money, they began opening more lodges and stationing their most trusted members to run each new place, entrusting them to initiate more people into the order. In the early 90s, after years of Luke and Joseph promising that these higher beings were coming, members began to challenge their authority demanding answers. Many members were wanting to know where their money was going, as by this point they had stopped opening up new sects, but Luke and Joseph were still asking for more money from the members. And further to this, Joseph's own daughter, who was now a teenager, began turning against him and started questioning the existence of the higher beings. The long-held peace that had been present throughout the order began to crumble. Emanuela, as most teenagers do, was starting to challenge her parents. 
And the biggest thing she did was expose some of the illusions that her father had used during demonstrations to members. These illusions were used to create a convincing spiritual apparition during initiation ceremonies to ensure that members believed that the higher beings were happy with the new initiates. Many cult members had been told by Luke that they were light beings who had been reincarnated on Earth with a special mission to fulfill. But too much time had passed, and the promised new age of consciousness had still not arrived, causing many members to become unhappy and impatient. In 1991, one member even filed a lawsuit against the Order after he had left the ranks a few months prior. Their charade was beginning to shatter completely. By this point, there were quite a few people who had already jumped ship from the Order, especially after Luke had been arrested in Canada for attempting to purchase illegal firearms. The police hypothesized that this would have been the start of the cult's killing spree if they hadn't arrested him for purchasing these firearms. However, by 1992, Luke and Joseph had made too many unfulfilled predictions and promises, and some of their followers began to doubt the existence of the Great Masters. As well as these unfulfilled promises, Joseph's health had begun to deteriorate. He had become incontinent and had actually been diagnosed with cancer, which he had kept secret from the Order for months. Eventually, Luke and Joseph decided that they needed to come up with a way to restore the faith of their followers. Them losing followers meant they were losing donations and they were losing money. So they, they, they just wanted more money, really. With the structure of the order crumbling around them, Luke and Joseph started to prepare for their, quote, transition to another world. This began with them choosing specific people who they believed would be the most welcome in this new world and telling them what rituals they needed to do to transition. While they prepared for this transition, they also decided to take revenge on some of the former members of the cults. The first victims of this transition was a 35-year-old Swiss man, his wife, and their three-month-old baby boy, the Dutois family. This family was murdered in Morin Heights, Quebec, on the 3rd of October 1994. The Dutois were previous members of the Order of the Solar Temple, but decided to leave the Order after Nikki had become pregnant with her husband's child. They left after Joseph tried to break them up and after he had forbidden them to have the child together as it wasn't what the higher beings wanted. The final nail in their coffin in the cult's eyes was the Dutois naming their child Christopher Emmanuel Dutois. Joseph took this as a direct challenge by the Dutois for his daughter's place in the Order and in the New World by using the name Emmanuel. Angered by their betrayal and his cult falling apart around him, Joseph decided that they needed to be punished. Members of the Solar Temple cults arrived at the Dutois' apartments and proceeded to stab their three-month-old baby in the heart after Joseph identified the child as the Antichrist. According to Joseph, the only way to kill the Antichrist was with a knife through the heart. After watching these two people kill their child, the parents were murdered in the same manner being stabbed to death. Four days after the family was killed, their apartment was set on fire. When the police arrived on the scene, there was little left of the family home, and the bodies had been badly burnt. It wasn't until other similar murder-suicides started popping up that the police had any idea 
what they were dealing with, a mass murdering cult. On the 5th of October 1994, 23 people were found dead in a burning chalet in Chary, Switzerland. 18 of these were found in a room with their bodies arranged in a circle as if they were the spokes of a wheel. They were found to be wearing ceremonial robes. These 18 were determined to have been given a tranquilizer before being shot, and then their bodies were arranged in a predetermined pattern. This pattern was suspected to have been used as it was believed that it would please the higher beings and allow them to safely transition into this new world. A member of the police who was on the scene stated that, quote, it was frightful to enter a place like that and find so many dead. Amongst the dead at this chalet was a mayor and his wife, Joseph de Mambro, and a well-known reporter. Less than an hour later, 160 kilometres away, 25 more bodies were discovered in two burning chalets. All of these deaths followed the same pattern, with the majority of the bodies being tranquilized before being shot, and then the remaining people setting the rooms on fire and burning alive inside. It was later concluded that out of the total 52 that had died, only 15 were suicides. And it was only those 15 people who knew what was going to happen to them during these transition ceremonies. The other 37 people involved were unaware that they were going to die and thought they were just taking a drug that would make them more receptive to the transition. Luke and Joseph were amongst those who had committed suicide after having a last supper with their most trusted members in each chalet they were in. It would seem that Luke and Joseph were finally able to convince their members that the apocalypse was truly at hand. At the time of the mass deaths, the authorities in both Canada and France were trying to arrest Luke and Joseph for being the masterminds behind the murders of the Dutois, with no one to charge for these mass deaths as the leaders had also died. The police were at a loss on what to do. Any remaining members of the Order of the Solar Temple quickly hid, and it would seem like that would be the end of the Order. Unfortunately, that was not the case. The next year, in 1995, 16 more people who had not been invited to the original transition events died at their own hands in a forest near Grenoble, France. Once again, the police had no one to charge for these deaths as they were willing participants, as well as the fact that they could not find who had taken over the order after Luke and Joseph had died the previous year. They didn't know who was in charge anymore. A final five people died in Canada on the 22nd of March 1997 with the same cause of death. They were burned alive and it happened during the spring equinox. As far as we know, there are no more sects of the Order of the Solar Temple still running today, but we can never be truly sure. By the end of the Order of the Solar Temple, 74 people had died. This included 11 children, as well as the two founders of the cult, Luke and Joseph. This case played out just as you would first suspect a case about a cult to do so. It ended in unnecessary deaths, especially of young impressionable children who hadn't had the time to grow up and find their own path for themselves and discover what they believed in. Any religion or movement or cults or gathering which requires you to kill yourself at the end of it, not a good idea to join it. 
I'll be honest. Let me know what you think of this case down in the comments section below. Again, a massive thank you to the people over at Ridge for sponsoring this episode. Make sure you're subscribed to this channel and you've hit that bell icon so you can be notified every single time I post a brand new true crime video just like this one. If you have a case that you'd like to see covered on this channel, then head on over to requestacase.com and send in your submissions there. With all that being said, I'll see you in the next case.